that I can really manage. There's easy access to clean water. All I have to do is go to a faucet and turn it on. I don't have to walk for miles in order to have clean water to drink. Lord, I'm surrounded by people who love me. I have friends that care about me. I have a loving wife and children that are in their right minds and with healthy bodies. God, I have an incredible church to go to, surrounded by brothers and sisters that love the Lord and love me and pastored by a man that cares about me and, and the, the direction of, of my spirit and has poured himself into me. God, I live in a country that has afforded me so many opportunities and, and, and so many freedoms that people around this world have never experienced. Lord, I, I know you. I know you in truth. Lord, I know your name. You, you went to Calvary and shed blood for me so that I could have access to you, so that I could be sinless in your sight and counted righteous before you. What an incredible thing. Lord, there are so many blessings in my life tonight that come from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. And I just want you to hear me say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we clap our hands? To the Lord who loves us, cares about us, and has given us so much. Amen. God bless you this evening as Brother Dave comes. You can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Well, good evening, Grace Church. It's great to see everybody this evening. Welcome. I join with Brother Jason in welcoming you. Those joining on Facebook Live and live stream, we're glad you're part of Grace Church tonight. Welcome. I hope you're blessed by the service tonight. Well, here we are. And I'm not pastor, and uh, just to give you a heads up, I'm not going to be teaching on the book of Revelation tonight. And uh, pastor launched, as you know, that series last Wednesday night. We announced Sunday he would be continuing tonight. And uh, many of you have probably heard by now, but Sister Murphy's father, whom we affectionately know around here as Brother Nixon, is, is not doing well at all. And um, I, thought, I thought somebody put it so tactfully and, and just so well-spoken uh, this week, said he is making his final journey, Brother Nixon is. And so, uh, as you understand, Brother and Sister Murphy are with uh, the Nixons tonight. They, again, that's Sister Murphy's father, Brother Nixon. And so let's keep the Murphys and the Nixon family in our prayers. In fact, I think it would be okay tonight if we just pray to that end together right now. Can we do that? Can we pray for the family? Jesus, I thank you for your presence I thank you that you're a comfort in time of storm. And, and even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for you are with us, God. And Brother Nixon has lived his life for this moment, Lord, and I thank you for his life. And, and I just pray that even in all of that, it's still very difficult to say goodbye. It's very difficult to walk this path. So I pray you'd be with Brother and Sister Murphy. Pray you'd be with the Nixon family. Comfort them, Lord. Let them feel the comforting presence of God. And let them feel your hand in their hand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. So I'm filling in tonight. Again, we're not going to talk about the tribulation or revelation. My son, uh, Dawson, somewhere around here asked me, said, Dad, you're going to teach on revelation tonight? I said, are you kidding me? Uh, and uh, then Brother Jason actually asked me that before church. But he said it much more in jest. He, I think he kind of knew what answer I was going to give him on that. We're going to leave that to pastor. Amen. Uh, I do want to say this it, it, a little bit will tie into to my remarks tonight. And, and so I'm not saying this to, to fill time or, or to just say something. Uh, I am thankful to be here tonight. 
and Brother Jason just led us in a prayer of thanksgiving. Um, I, I'm coming to this place where I'm, I, I, I want to be, let me say this, I don't, I'm not there yet, but I, I want to, to acknowledge and be aware when I'm in the presence of God, namely in, in church with you all. Um, most of you here tonight have spent a long time serving God. You're in church for a long time. I was raised in church. And, and, it, it, and it's such a part of our routine. It's such a part of what we do. It's who we are in a lot of ways. At least I hope it is. And, I, and I'll, you know, after some time, I'll tell you that it becomes, it becomes maybe even a force of habit. It just becomes, you know, we wouldn't think of not going to church. But it's so much more than that. And, and so I want to, and I, and I guess maybe the COVID and all that's what's made me think in these terms. But I want to be... I want to be aware when I'm in the presence of God. And it's, it's not just going to church. It's not just that I'm going to see all of you wonderful people, but I'm going to be in the presence of God. And I want to take advantage of that. I don't want to just dismiss it as another service or just, well, I didn't get, I didn't get in touch with God tonight, so I'll wait to Sunday. And it, it, every, every opportunity has to have importance. It has to have gravity with us. And, and I believe we're living in that day and in that time where, where you realize that you're feeling that as well. So I say that in sincerity. I'm glad to be in the presence of God tonight. I'm glad to be here uh, in, in God's presence. And I want to maximize that opportunity tonight. So with that, let's turn to the word of God. I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll read 19 through 21. And we'll, we'll continue kind of in the vein that pastor's been preaching. Going back a couple of Wednesday nights ago, ben, Brother Ben Tier taught an excellent excellent study. We'll kind of continue some of those thoughts, some of those threads, and, and, and keeping priority. I guess the overarching theme tonight will be our priorities. 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, the scripture says, so he, this is speaking of Elijah, he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast that mantle upon him, cast that mantle upon Elisha. And so he, this being Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow thee. And Elijah said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Verse 21, he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen. Now we're talking about Elisha again. Took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And so from this text tonight, I want to talk to you and I've, I've really wrestled with how to, how to title this and try to get us all on the same page for, for a place to, to start from. And I, I worry that this is going to get lost in some semantics here and I don't want it to do that. Um, and, and so allow me to unpack this as we go. Stick with me. But my title tonight would be this. Intention determines priority. Would you look at your neighbor and just tell them intention determines priority. Now, there's a, I, I guess you'd call it a sport called fencing. And I'm making that little disclaimer due to the intricacies of our English language. Because fencing, if I just said fencing, that could mean, you know, maybe you think putting up a fence in your yard. So I've got a picture here. I don't think the, the swords in their hands, the, the foils, I've I'm, I'm done a little research, the, the instruments with which they 
fight. Uh, as I don't think you can see those in the picture, but this is a picture of two people fencing. And so this is what I'm talking about, the, the sport akin to sword fighting. In fencing, there's, as I've learned, there's multiple categories of fencing, if you care to know. Most of them are in French, and I can't pronounce them. But in a particular category of fencing, there's a term used, and it's priority. And priority is used to decide who is awarded a point if both competitors land a hit at the exact same moment. So you're, you're sword, I'm going to just say sword fighting you or whatever, and you both land at the exact same time. The issue is settled by determining who had intention. That's who gets the priority. Who aimed at a mark on their opponent's body before they strike? I don't, I don't think you can see it in the picture, but I noticed on these two particular fencers, there are, there, on those suits, there's like these red X's, and I, so I assume those are the targets. And so the issue is settled by determining who had the intention of aiming at a mark on their opponent's body before their strike. This competitor is awarded the point. The other one, so let's say the other one, if they were on the defensive, you know, they're, they're kind of, the guy's coming in for an attack, and, and just somehow through the defense, he accidentally lands a mark, or I'm sorry, lands a blow. That, that doesn't count. That's not, that's not it. It's the one that had the pri- or it's the one that had the intention and intended to land that hit. They are given the point or the priority. So the, the, the issue of priority then is settled by their intention, what they intended to do. It reminds me in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here Paul's saying, I I, I intend to reach the goal. I intend to have uh, eternal life. I intend to do what God's called me to do. Therefore, my one priority in life is to do the will of God, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I I think we, and again, I don't want to get lost in semantics, and and, and it's, it's a little, again, it's troubled me a little bit, intentions and priority. But, but I, we do this every day. We do this every day and we don't even realize it. For example, if, if your intention is to get a paycheck at the end of the week, you prioritize going to work every day, right? Yeah. If you intend for your kids to graduate high school, you prioritize putting them on the bus every day or putting them in front of the virtual learning, as the case may be. If you intend to retire with an income at some point in your life, you prioritize investing in your 401k, right? So our intentions reflect our priorities in a very big way. Let me give you an example uh, from the sports world. Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, is the most, did you know this? He's the most decorated Olympian of all time, of any, of any sport, of any Olympic um, competition. He is the most decorated Olympian of all time. He has 28 medals to his record. 23 of those were gold medals. He's personally, I love this, he's personally won more medals than 161 countries, which is a pretty cool statistic. But this is the deal. Do you think that Michael Phelps won all these medals by, 
by waking up on the day of the Olympics and, and, and say, you know what, I think I'm going to fly over to the country where the Olympics are held. And if I can work my way kind of to where the event of the swimming is, maybe they'll let me compete. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt to try. I might lose, but maybe I'll win and, and I'll just I'll give it a go and see what happens. That that is not how you become an Olympic gold medalist. And in fact, as a teenager, Michael Phelps trained six hours a day, six days a week for the Olympics without fail. Even if, even if his, his training day fell on Christmas, he still trained. And usually most days that meant at a minimum swimming eight miles a day. It's because he valued his, or, or his priority was to win an Olympic gold medal that, that, that he, and he, he woke up every day with great intention. So every day his intentions took him towards his priority with total dedication, with total, total focus. And so this is important to us in every walk of life, but it's very important to us in our walk with God. We're, we're not going to hear God say, well done, without intentionally going after a successful walk with God, without prioritizing our walk with God in our life. And, and, and once we make that commitment, and I'm talking to a group of people here tonight, you're committed. You, your intentions are to win the crown of life. Your intention is to finish as a spiritual gold medalist. The problem is, is that even when we make that intention, when we make that priority, there's a tax every day. I mean, how many of you know there's a tax every day on our commitment, right? There's, there's any number of things that come against us to try to, to get us to quit or to try to get us to, to turn aside or to be distracted. And, 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 and that's the one I want to talk to you about for just a moment here is distractions. It's, it's distractions that come our way that cause us to lose focus and change our intentions away from our real priority. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that, is, that was put before us. These, these are two areas of distraction that can, can hinder us from making our spiritual commitment a priority. The first one he mentions is sin. And Pastor did an amazing study at the beginning of this year really defining what sin is. And I won't spend a whole lot of time there. But sin is that unrighteous act against the will and the word of God. It has never been possible to hold on to the things of unrighteousness and the things of God at the same time. In fact, Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. And that word mammon there just means the system, the world system or the, 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 the devil's system or the, the system that opposes God. You can't do both. You can't be double-minded in your commitment. And so sin, those things that would take us away from our commitment with God is one distraction. The other one is a weight. And a weight is just simply something uh, that is a burden in your life that pulls you, that, I'm sorry, that pulls against your spiritual growth. Something that pulls against your spiritual growth. If something in your life demands your faithfulness and your sacrifice more than being a disciple of Jesus, then you found a weight in your life. That's what a weight is. Let me give you an example from Scripture, the rich young ruler, Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 through 22. And let me just tell you, I don't know why we call this guy the rich young ruler. The Bible does say he was young. I'm not sure why we call him a ruler. He, he was rich. Um, maybe, maybe when we read through this, something will jump out at us again and we'll see. But traditionally, they call him the rich young ruler. Matthew chapter 19. I want you to see what happens here with this guy. Behold, 
one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So Jesus has given this guy a path forward, said, If you want to have eternal life, I want you to keep, or you need to keep the commandments. And the guy says unto to Jesus, says, well, which ones? And Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt com- not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And look what the young man, young man says. He says, all these things have I done from my youth up. What am I still lacking? And Jesus says, if thou will be perfect, go and tell, or I'm sorry, go and sell that that you have and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, notice in this exchange what's happening here. This man comes to Jesus, and when Jesus says, you need to keep the commandments to enter into eternal life, this guy declares it to Jesus. He says, I, I have, I do that from, from, from my youth. As from a child, I've kept the commandments. And Jesus disarms him with just one simple statement. Jesus, if if I could take a little further, Jesus exposes him with just one simple statement. He says, go and sell all that you have. And the young man couldn't do it. It says he was very rich and he went away sorrowful. With that one exchange, Jesus exposes this guy. He hasn't even kept the first commandment. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. And Jesus is shown, showing this guy, you have a God before me, and that's, that's your, your possessions. That's your wealth. That's your, your, that's your weight. And so this guy had made his earthly possessions his priority. And in this case, this example, it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, that it clouded his view of the eternal. It clouded his prioritizing what was most important, and that was his eternal soul. That was his, his walk with God, his eternal salvation. He let earthly things, temporal things, temporary things weigh him down so that he could not enter into the kingdom of God. And where he thought he had it all together, Jesus showed him, said, no, you still got some weights in your life that you need to work on. This happens in our life too every day, not necessarily with, with money and and possessions, not necessarily those things, but we can find a place of ease. We can find a place of complacency in our walk with God. It, it's relatively easy for us to show up at church and enjoy great services and hear great preaching and hear great teaching and have all of those things. And we just kind of get into a, into a place with our relationship with God where we just kind of coast and we, we're kind of satisfied with where we are. And that can be a weight in and of itself. That can distract us from the real priority of moving forward in the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, we, 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 how many of us have said, I, one day I intend to do a work for God. One day I'm really going to clean up my act. One day I'm going to be really focused. I'm going to be really committed. But, but our, our, our intentions of that are, are, are they're, they're exposed by what we prioritize on a daily basis because we don't prioritize being sold out to God. We don't prioritize being everything that we can be for God. We don't prioritize the kingdom of God in our life. And so our intentions then 
are not lining up with our priorities. So the great uh, example that I want to share tonight is from our, from our text, the, 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 this idea of Elisha. This is someone who sold out all that he had. For, he, he made the kingdom of God his priority. And so I want to show you this, 1 Kings chapter 19, which we read tonight as our text. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast that mantle on him. So this was understood then that Elijah was calling Elisha to fill his shoes, to, to, to be his successor in the prophetic ministry. And if you, if you read further back in, in this chapter, chapter 19 of 1 Kings, it's, a, it's an amazing chapter. Brother Jason and I were talking a little bit about it before church because there's so much there. You can really unpack that and, and find out there, there's just a lot there that you, can, that you can see. But this is the setting where Elijah had just called fire down from heaven and done all these wonderful things God had done through him prophetically. And then he heard that Jezebel was after him and got scared and ran to the wilderness. And, he, and there he was essentially depressed. God comes to him and says, in a still small voice, kind of reassures him. And I love this part because God tells him, he says, I want you to get up. And he gives him three things to do. He says, I want you to anoint Haziel as king of Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu as king of Israel. And I want you to anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead, the Bible says. So he gave him these three things to do. All of those represented his prophetic duties or his prophetic calling. And so the way I interpret that, what I see is where Elijah was on a real high when he, uh, like a minute, you know, he, he was functioning as a prophet. God had done some great things through him. He called fire from heaven, saw all these great miracles. Then he went to a really low low and, and even despaired of his life, was depressed. And then God ministers to him and says, you're not done, Elijah. You're, I'm not through using you. I want you to get up and I want you to function in that prophetic calling and that prophetic ministry that, that I've called you to be. And so I want to encourage somebody tonight. This is not my message, but I want to encourage somebody tonight. You may, you may have been, been in some places with God where God has used you and you could kind of see where God was leading you and, and you felt assured of the calling of God on your life. And then, and then maybe you've, you've entered into a time where you've begun to doubt that and you, maybe you're, you're not so sure and the, and, the, and the enemy's whispering some lies to you. I want you to, to be assured that that calling and election is without repentance. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If God has called you, he's going to equip you and he will use you for the purpose that he's, that he's placed in your life. It's not over yet. You may not be seeing the fruit of it now, but it's not over yet. God has something he is going to do with your life. And so this is where we find Elijah. And so he goes, and it's interesting, he doesn't say anything to Elisha, at least that we know of. He just puts that mantle on him. And, and there, uh, Elisha understood that to be the prophetic call of God as Elijah's successor. And so this is, uh, this is interesting because Elisha is out plowing the field. Now, there's some things about this that we got to understand. First of all, the fact that he had 12 oxen in this field indicates that this was a wealthy family. Elisha's family was wealthy. They had a, a large field, a large crop, large, you know, just a large estate, if you will. And so Elijah's out there plowing with these 12 oxen. He's from an affluent family. He's doing a good thing. He's making something of himself. He's functioning as a good citizen, if you will. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, we, we talk a lot about, you know, well, well, you know, we found, God found somebody on, you know, on Skid Row. It was just, 
horribly backslid and wasn't doing what they were supposed to do and raised them up and, 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 and called them and did these things. And when we talk about the prodigal son that, that left and came back. And in this case, Elisha was, was doing what he was supposed to do. He, he was, I don't see him as much of a backslidden condition. He was doing a good thing, but God had more for him. God had a higher call for him. And he had the faith and he had the confidence in the call of God to take that step and walk into what God had for him. Oftentimes, and I'm so glad our students are in here tonight because I want you to get this. Oftentimes, God will interrupt our plans. Oftentimes, the calling of God, and I'm not talking about necessarily the call to preach or the call to minister, but whatever the call of God looks like in your life. Whatever he's calling you to do, oftentimes that interruption in our life comes to us in, in, in a service, a, you know, a special, a special time at the altar where you feel God's presence. Sometimes it's an NAYC, you know, or a youth camp where, where you just, you're just lost in the presence of God and you, you hear him calling you higher. And, and it's that moment we, we sing, you don't ever want to leave. I don't, I don't ever want to leave this moment with God. Those are oftentimes where the presence of God is settling into your spirit, where he's calling you to do something. He's calling you higher. And I, I don't want you, especially our students, don't overlook that. Don't dismiss it because, because those moments are so special and they'll happen. But then life continues. We have to go on with our life. We have to go on living for God and, and doing what we do. You go back to work. You go back to school. You do these things. That's all well and good, but it doesn't mean that the calling of God has left you just because you wake up on Monday and don't feel it. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's not what we feel always. So don't let that get by you. I would, I would tell you to treasure that, protect that. If God's ever spoken to you, if he's ever moved on you, protect that and, and, and savor that and cultivate that in God's kingdom. So next, after, after Elijah put that that mantle on Elisha, uh, uh, the Bible says that Elisha um, left the oxen, ran after Elijah, I'm in verse 20, and said, let me, I pray, kiss my father and mother, and then will I follow thee? And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? Elisha was just like all of us. He had goals, no doubt he had goals for the family business, the family farm, whatever it was. He, he, had, he had, you know, passions in life, things he wanted to do, things he wanted to be. But without hesitation, he follows the call of God in his life. And, and this is, uh, from, my, from what I understand in, in my study of this scripture, this is not an instance where Elisha was stonewalling or, or saying, hey, let, let me go back home and think about it and decide, and I'm not so sure. He, he, he really was going back to tell his mother and father bye and then to go follow the prophet. And we know that because of the verse I'm getting ready to come to. He, 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 he burnt the oxen in the, in the yoke. He, he, he sold out. And so it was just a deal where he wanted to go back, say his goodbyes, show that he was, he was leaving the, the family business and that he was following the prophet. So, so he, he let, he, um, he, he, the Bible says that he wanted to go and tell them goodbye. So here, Elisha is submitting himself to the call of the prophet. And then finally, 2 Kings chapter, uh, uh, if you look at uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, after all this is said and done, after all this is said and done, when Elisha gets back following Elijah, he says, I want a double portion of your spirit to be upon me. I want a double portion of your spirit to, to be upon me. So without a doubt, without a doubt, 
Elisha was plowing the field of an earthly inheritance. That field was to be his one day. And he left it. He left it for the call of God. Uh, verse 21, he took, a yoke, he took the yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people. This is where he sold out. And this is really where I, where I was headed with this, is that the priority for Elisha was the call of God on his life. The priority for Elisha was the eternal things. It wasn't the temporary. It wasn't the family business. It wasn't the inheritance. It wasn't what would only last for a few decades. But Elisha could see that his priority was the kingdom of God and the, pre, the prophetic office that God was calling him to. So, so our values then, our values then are determined every day on the auction of priority. Every day, every day when we get up, our value system, our priorities are determined by our intentions. And, and, and so I would just challenge you tonight. I would challenge you tonight. Take stock of, what, of, of where you intend to be. Where, where is it you want to be in, in a year? Where is it you want to be in five years? At the end of your life, where do you intend to go? And, it, and it's, not a, it's not a thing where, where, where you need to decide later because every day you're making choices that show your intentions about your priorities. And so it's very important that we have a very clear understanding of where we want to go and what we want to be in the kingdom of God. There's a great, great illustration of this. William Borden is this guy's name. He, uh, he was born into a wealthy family in Chicago in 1887, William Borden was, and he had the best that the world had to offer. William Borden was, uh, he had money, he had education, he had the, the, the uh, opportunity to travel the world, which was not as, as common back then. Every physical comfort at age 21, William Borden was a millionaire, and we're talking about early 1900s dollars. Yet with all that, his heart was sensitive to the will of God for his life. At age 16, he, he felt God speak to him very specifically. And he had, he had, in his travels around the globe, he had met some missionaries uh, 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 during a round-the-world cruise. And he wrote to his mother at age 16 and told, him, told his mother, said, I'm going to begin preparing for life on the foreign field. He went on to attend Princeton with the intention of devoting his life to foreign missions. And Despite the fact that he loved automobiles, which were a very new invention at the time, he told his friends, he said, I just can't afford to purchase a car. In reality, every time that he considered purchasing a car, his heart was so overwhelmed with the needs of foreign missions that he would send the money to those causes instead. It is estimated that during his three years at seminary, he gave away more than $70,000 again in, in, in 1900s, early 1900s money. In December 1912, with his education completed, Borden sailed to Cairo, Egypt for language training before entering missionary service in China. That was his ultimate destination, was China. Sadly, while he was in Egypt, he contracted cerebral meningitis and he died at the age of 25, never reaching his destination. But on his deathbed at age 25, he reiterated his life theme, which was no reserve, no retreat, no regret. In his will, he left $1 million to Christian causes. But this is the interesting part. News arrived in America that this young millionaire had willingly abandoned his fortune and died in squalid conditions in Egypt. It had an electrifying effect on college students throughout North America and 
Europe. Many responded to God's call to missions because of the life of William Borden. While the world might consider him a failure because he squandered all that money, quote unquote, in eternity, he was an enduring success and his life was a life well spent. See, William Borden understood this idea of priority. He understood this idea of priority. It wasn't, it wasn't the earthly, the temporal, the, the, the things that are passing away. His priority was the eternal. And then I would say this. I would say that in this hour in which we're living, as I come to a close, in this hour in which we are living, this is more important than ever. This is the time for us to align our priorities with the kingdom of God. If we want to ever do anything for God, if we ever want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, if we ever want to see the kingdom of God move forward and be a part of that, now is the time to, uh, uh, to take stock of our intentions and to align those intentions with the priorities of the word of God in our life. I've been thinking about uh, Brother Nixon today, uh, and, and I, I want to, to say this with all respect and honor what a what an amazing amazing life and what a wonderful wonderful man we all we all love him so so much but I, thinking today his, his life is such a great illustration of, of what I'm really trying to convey tonight as as again it was put so beautifully as, as he prepares for his journey home uh, tonight and and as he prepares to cross the Jordan uh, river, as they say, to go to his eternal reward. Brother Nixon's intentions were always to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He, he, his intentions all through his life were to reach this point and be confident of where he would go in eternity and where he would spend his life or spend eternity, rather, at the end of this life with God. And so because that was always his intention, he made the kingdom of God his priority. And I was reflecting today. I, I remember um, in, in, a, in a different um, kind of different manifestation of the adult Sunday school class many years ago, several years ago, I was teaching the adult class with Brother Merrill. And, and every year at the beginning of the, of the, of the uh, year, I would talk to the adult class about reading the Bible through in its entirety in the calendar year and all this. And I, and I, and I cherish these conversations. Brother and Sister Nixon, every, every time they would tell me, well, we read our Bible through this year in the year that just had just ended. And, and I've, I've lost track now, but, but in those days, you know, I'm talking five or six years ago, it was something like 30, 32, 33 times they had read their Bible through uh, in a year, in, in subsequent years without missing a year. And, and, and so that's what I'm talking about. Brother Nixon had made the word of God his priority. Um, you know, I, I, I've never known him to miss church. Sister Murphy said that she had to all but physically restrain them from coming to church during the quarantine because it's just what they do. They come to church. That's just part of their life. It's who they are. But it was their priority. His intention then at the end of his life was to hear Jesus say, well done. His priority on this earth was the kingdom of God. And so that's our challenge today. Start today. Start now. Every decision, every intention, what you're trying to do must be aligned with the priorities of the word of God. 
in the priorities of the kingdom of God in your life. God bless you tonight. Let's stand together. Let me pray over you before we before we're dismissed. Jesus, I thank you for your word. It is ever true. It is ever living. And Lord, I pray that it would create in us what you are desiring in us. Let it do a creative work tonight. Let it do uh, something in us that would be alive and, and ever living. I pray it would change us, Lord, to the degree that it, would, that it would draw us closer to you and that we would make sure we're aligned with the values of the word of God and the values of the kingdom of God so that we live a life that prioritizes you, that you come first, and that we will one day hear you say, well done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. So glad you were in the house of God. So glad you were here for Bible study. Greet one another. Let them know you're glad to see them. And we will look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless you tonight. Tear down, coming at